Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in Sydney in the 80s. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. But this season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. I'm Paul Verhoeven and my dad, John Verhoeven, is sitting across from me and we are very excited. Before we kick into the case today, we thought we would let you know that about a week ago, we announced our first live show since before COVID. It's on Friday, the 2nd of December, 7pm. Now, first of all, there's a handful of tickets still available. Uh, We've actually added some extra seats and made them available so we can cram a few extra people in. But the big news is... On Saturday, the 3rd of December, at 1.30pm in the afternoon, we are doing a follow-up show. We've had such a big demand for the first one, we're putting on another one. Now, the reason we're not coming to another city straight after is because, frankly, it makes financial sense to pay for Dad's airfares, get him to a location, and do as much in that place as possible. So don't worry, we're going to be looking at future dates in other locations in the future. But for now, let's sell both these shows out. So, there's still a few left for Friday the 2nd of December at 7pm. And now we've got this second show, which is at a very reasonable lunchy hour. So if you've got if you've got kids who for some reason think they can handle this sh- this show, or if you're just not a bit of a night owl, head across to comedyrepublic.com.au and grab your tickets right now for our brand new show, Saturday, third of December, one thirty p.m. That's two shows, two days back to back. Dad and I are going to be absolutely thrilled to have you there on stage. Dad, I think you'll agree with that, right? I do agree, Paul, but I don't think it's suitable for children under the age of, say, 30. Yeah, but it keeps... Oh, it keeps happening, though. People keep bringing their kids to these shows. Yeah, they should put blindfolds on them and just have them out the back being looked after by some people that are just walking past. Sure. Yeah, that seems more dangerous than anything. You've not heard of Stranger Danger? I've heard of it, but... Mm -hmm. in. (laughs) Not Paul, Paul, Paul. Yeah, yeah. You've touched on something magnificent, possibly inadvertently. Oh. You said stranger danger. Mm-hmm. Today's story yes. is the opposite. 
Yes, it is actually. Today we are looking at the case of a woman called Carolyn Grills. Uh, she was an Australian killer who became a suspect of several murders back in 1947, and her story is absolutely bonkers. Mm. Now, she was arrested finally in May 11th, 1953, for what you are about to find out. But this is a very odd case in that when you look at photos of uh, of Carolyn Grills, also known mm. as Aunt Thally, she does not look like a killer. But she was, and the means by which she did it was very, very strange. Now, she was born in the year 1890, and she just looks like a kind of squirrely little traditional grandma. She's got a weird bonnet and I don't glasses. think grandmothers would be happy to say, make the analogy that they look like squirrels. Squirrely, I said. Mm, it sort of has a, a, a connotation. It does. Um, but do you think that down the track she's related to Bear Grylls? Probably not. Well, same same surname. You think Carolyn Grills, serial killer from back... <laughs> you think she, I'm, I do. I'm going to guess not. Uh, Paul, if you go back far enough, we yeah. are all related. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Yep. That's a fact. I rest my case. Well, that, <laughs> I... Yeah. Anyway, this week we are looking at the story of Carolyn Grills, also known as Aunt Thally. She is a serial killer, and every week on Loose Units, The Shadow Files, we look at a different crime and try and dig into how it happened, why it happened, and also, more importantly, where it happened and what it's done to that place. So, Dad, could you walk us through the very strange story of Carolyn Grills? Well, Paul, when you sent this to me Mm. and and I'm not joking listeners hand on heart yeah this is what I'm about to say is 100% factual not that I should ever have to even say that because I only deal in the facts and you know my theory on percentages no I don't well you said sometimes 110% oh right so you so you I only work max to 100 right okay so we've had this discussion. Yep. But, um, and you're wrong. When you said to me, Aunt Thally, mm-hmm. I'm not kidding with what I'm about to say. Okay. I thought Thally, someone, like, was that some little kid that had a slight speech impediment, couldn't say Sally properly and just called her Aunt Thally? Is that what you actually thought? Um, I promise. I... I Factually, I was for hours last night thinking about Thally. Okay. It's got a ring to it. But Paul, do you know why she was called Aunt Thally? I actually don't. No. Are you joking? Well, I was I, I wanted to let you tell me so that I could react in real time to the craziness of this story. Paul, so, that's so exciting. I only know a few I've deliberately only kept a few a few kind of I, I know a few things about this case, but the details I deliberately obfuscated. Oh, look, I'm so... That's a big word. Obfuscated? Mm, It's a good word. Yeah, thanks. Paul, she was called Aunt Thally Mm -hmm. because of the poison. Thalrat. T-H-A-L-L hyphen R-A-T. Okay. And there was a plague in Sydney in the 1950s. It was mainly in inner Sydney of rats and I'd like to read to you the advertisement in the local press at the time and so 
Thal Rat, obviously, aren't Thali, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting. But get ready for this. The most convenient way to get rid of rats, even a dead rat, is a nuisance when its body rots in your ceiling or under the floor. Use Sayers Thalrat, the original thallium sulfate rat poison that kills quickly, collapsing their little lungs and driving Ugh. them outside to die. Ugh. Now, is, I, this is, is true. This a real this is, ad? This is a real ad from the 1950s from the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, my God. Now, oh my God. that's, that's I, how they figured out they may have figured out that the lungs collapse, but I don't quite know how they can then go on to say that in the in the sort of ecstasy of death, the little rat would then think, hang on a sec, I'm going to get out of the house and go into the garden and just cark it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's just good, you know, advertising. But here's the thing that really makes this quite unbelievable, frankly, and that is that it was swift, sure and safe. Rats cannot detect thal rat because it is tasteless and and odorless, yet 100% deadly to the pests. Simple to use. Thal rat costs only two and six for one ounce bottle. Now, things were so bad in the 1950s, Paul and listeners, that local councils in Sydney were giving out vials, that's glass bottles, of thal rat for free. Now, with that in mind, do you think it's surprising that more people didn't use this to murder other people? Well, Paul, what a what a fascinating observation on your part. Because that ad, if I was looking to kill someone, that ad is basically a how-to guide. I mean, Paul, it's... Paul, mate, the case we're touching on was yeah. like that guy that I I went up to get some coffee this morning. Mm-hmm. I walked ac- across the pedestrian crossing nearby and there was a guy walking past and he had a lettuce leaf sticking out of his bottom. I'm not kidding. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's the tip of the iceberg. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, like th- what he said to me this morning... Paul? Oh, my God. It's too early. It's too early for this so, shit. So, like that, this yeah. is the tip of the iceberg. The thallium. It was widespread. Like his cheeks. Yeah. And the Actually, sad no, thing... They'd, they'd, they'd be pretty, they'd be pretty they were tight. tight to hold it in there, yeah. yeah. So, the sad thing you were saying, yes. So, it, it, it became, mm-hmm. in the media, in Sydney, almost a... A phenomenon of where there was there was literally fear, and possibly somewhat exaggerated, but rightfully so. A lot of husbands who were perhaps not particularly pleasant, mm. um, they and other members of the family would be poisoned by something that you could simply go down to the local hardware store, and there's a very famous hardware store that is kind of the the genesis of uh, Bunnings, mm-hmm. which used to be BBC Hardware, but a very early store in Sydney's history was called Knock and Kirby's. They had a store in George Street, and sort of a- accounts of the time by staff that worked at this big hardware store in the city, they were selling 
in the 1950s, up to three dozen bottles of this poison every week. And that's okay. just one hardware store. And what Aunt Thally did, she just had this, and that's it's sort of a weird phenomenon of people that are perceived to be loving, kind, beautiful, generous, just sweet, you know, knitting doilies, baking cakes, all that sort of stuff. But underneath the surface, they use this this sort of perception of them being, you know, just lovely people to literally kill their relatives. And Aunt Thally was only charged with the murder of one of her relatives. However, as time went by, the police began to realise that because the, the, the symptoms of thallium poisoning are insidious. Have you looked into the, the symptoms? No. Oh, mate, it's just it's diabolical. So Aunt Thally, she would get the thallium and she would put it in a cup of Milo or tea. She'd put it in cakes and biscuits and... She, She'd sort of go along to family occasions. So it was, no one had any idea, but the effects were so horrendous, you would start off getting cramps in your back. Your, you'd have terrible pain in your feet. You had the most terrible, terrible stomach cramps. And eventually you'd go mad and blind and there were cases because remember housing back in the 1950s people lived very very close to each other they didn't have insulation like we have today and there are many reported cases of neighbors hearing people particularly some of the victims of aunt thally and other women might i add she was as i said you know a case but there were some incredibly high-profile cases of the day and some really, really bizarre and fascinating cases that we'll touch on. But you died an agonising death, aside from going going mad. And, of course, you know, people would present to doctors and the doctors were not sort of... They were mis... mis um, Diagnosing, what, misdiagnosing, mm. and the symptoms were, and 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 some sad cases. Um, some of the victims would ultimately, because of the mental side, the mental illness, they would then end up at uh, mental institutions, like the one where you and I went to. Remember, we took the photos at Callum Park. Yes, I do. And I do. and some of the people that that ended up there had actually been poisoned by thallium. And, but the thing about thallium is that if you stopped receiving thallium, you generally would um, recover. Right. So did you have to keep dosing them? To Had kill to them? keep dosing them. Or, or you could sort of hit them up with a, with a massive dose. The fact that it's colorless, odorless and tasteless hmm. means that you could, you could present it in, in, in many, many guises. Of course, food is is an obvious one. But Aunt Thally was what we would describe today as a thrill killer. 
And she, when she went to court, she was very, very... Um, she played to the to the crowd. And women, especially women, that probably secretly were kind of a little bit excited because they may have been living in rather rather terrible relationships they used to crowd the back of the courtroom and 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 wave and cheer they were they were sort of her her um you know how you've got like a, a fan group mm. and they um they 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 were sort of really really um behind her so to speak because the historical ramifications of this particular syndrome uh, as it was called by the um, the media of the time, had a lot to do with the end of the Second World War. Because, um, in fact, you mind if I read something to you, Paul? Please do. <clears throat> so, and this is sort of very... Uh, it's, what I'm about to read is um, a quote from a criminologist back in the 1950s, but I think it's very, very important, listeners, to get a sense of the time and... <clears throat> what I'm going to read to you is definitely cringeworthy. So, criminal, criminologist Otto Polak, in his text, The Criminality of Women, considered one of the most influential studies on women and crime in the post-war era, argued that all women were psychologically deceitful. He claimed concealing menstruation, the pretense of sexual response during intercourse, and misrepresenting sex to her children shaped a woman's character. Polak contributed women's propensity for poisoning and their greater success at concealing their criminal activities to this natural deceit. Such deep-seated myths and beliefs about women's poisoning have a long historical legacy that reveal a range of misogynistic views. In examining the cases of the Thallium women, this paper seeks to show the way such notions manifest themselves in the treatment and perception of women accused of such crimes. Exploring these trials involves analysing their representation in the contemporary print media and institutions of the criminal justice system, both of which constructed a particular perception of these women and their alleged crimes. And it goes on to just say that because of the Second World War, where during the war women sort of got involved in all sorts of, you know, Professions and professions, yeah. and it was just so that it was liberating. We've all and seen a league of their own. Yeah, yeah that's right. And then <laughs> what happened was oh, historians have described the immediate post-war and the 1950s in particular, which is where this case and others take place, Paul, with the thallium, as marking a return to repressive conservative values where women had second-class status. Men were especially threatened by the upheavals of the war years that saw change to traditional gender patterns. Women's active participation in the war effort brought many new freedoms and opportunities. The need to re-establish social, political and economic stability in the post-war period manifested itself in the promotion of conservative ideas concerning relations between the sexes and their roles. Dominant familial ideology advocated a return to traditional family values, which essentially meant a return to pre-war patterns of men as the breadwinners and women as ideal mothers and wives. And Paul, from that, you could just see that this social order was sort of was going back. And then the history of thallium is, is so fascinating and scary. So thallium was discovered in 1861 by chemist William Crookes 
it was originally prescribed as a depilatory medication. Do you know what that means? No. Removal of hair. Okay. The abundance of acute toxic symptoms led to its eventual abandonment. Then in the 20th century, it resurfaced as a treatment for ringworm as thallium acetate. And then in Spain, 13 children died in 1930 using this thallium to get rid of ringworm, but it was still used in Australia until the 40s, and it just goes on. And it was so easy to um, to acquire. And, yeah, it's just... Uh, there were certain people... I think the media had a lot to do with this particular case, Paul, where they sort of focused on these women that were perceived as being very, very loving, sort of grandmotherly types, but they were actually poisoning relatives okay i'm speaking of that i'm very curious as to how she actually did it and why she did it like the crimes themselves so we know that she poisoned people and we know that she was using thallium to do it but how did she actually do it you you mentioned that she was a thrill killer um she was charged with a bunch of murders so okay all right so dad i've got this article from back in 2012 um from the herald sun which was sort of a breakdown of Carolyn Grills and her her murder mm. um, spree. So let me know if you think this sounds like a pretty accurate summation of her crimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Auntie Carrie Grills became known as Aunt Thally after claims that she murdered four members of her family and tried to kill others with poison. Okay, there we go. Four members of her family and tried to kill more. So it would have been higher. She would often visit relatives bearing home-baked goodies and tea, which police believe was laced with rat-bait ingredient thallium. In 1953, Grandmother Grills, at age 63, was charged in New South Wales with attempted murder over the poisonings of her sister-in-law, Evelyn Lundberg, and Lundberg's daughter, Christine Downey. Both victims had exhibited symptoms common in thallium poisonings, and here's your point, Dad, including hair loss, Increasing blindness and loss of speech. Now, because the people she was murdering uh, were a little older, I guess those symptoms... I don't know, I find this very interesting. Anyway, this is the part I'm interested in, Dad. The poisonings came to light when a family member spied Grills reaching into her dress pocket and dropping something into the cup of tea she was carrying. (laughs) The family member switched cups and took a sample of the tea to police who tested it and found it contained thallium. God. Investigators then examined the deaths of other members of Grill's family, including her stepmother, Christina Mickelson, in November 1947. She killed her stepmother with rat poison. Good God. In January 1948, another relation of her husband, Angelina Thomas, became another suspected victim. Her husband's brother-in-law, John Lundberg, died in late 1948, and one of her stepmother's friends died the following year. Oh, my God. Throughout 1941 and 1942, various family members became ill, including Mrs. Lundberg, but all survived. Okay, it says various, but at this point, I mean, she could have... If all of these people had actually died as she intended, she could have killed a lot more than four, right? Oh, look, look, they do know, Paul, that she had also tried to kill at least another 11 members of her immediate family. Hmm. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. Now, look, the media, one of the problems for Ms. Grills, okay, was that she was very unusual in that in court she would laugh and smile and wave towards the gallery, okay? Yeah. And then occasionally when they were talking about really, really serious things that she'd done, she had this habit of tapping her fingers on the dock. You know how you tap your fingers? You roll them. Mm-hmm. And she'd do that and she had this... People had the sense that she actually didn't care she was devoid of any emotion which today would be sort of equated to being a psychopath okay and she i think if you can kill someone i i'm just you may have a reason in the very beginning but then if, if you get away with it and bearing in mind that you have to keep going with the medication now she would have been buying these bottles from you know some hardware store. And back in those days, people really knew their customers. And this is so interesting, everyone, that Grills, she... And this is so perverse and bizarre and shows me that it's... She almost had this impunity. She had a... Like a party trick, Paul. Mm. She used to predict the deaths of various family members. Now, are these the members that she was poisoning? Yes. Oh, my God. She would... It was a party trick. She would say to relatives... Of course, some of the relatives that she would be conversing with about when these people would die, Mm. some of these people would have been listening to her actually... um, What's the word where you look into the future and predict? Yeah, but yes. So she was actually delighting in taking these predictions and they were working. And she attributed the the um, veracity of her predictions as the power of her intuitions. Now, get ready for this. Her trial lasted five months, okay? And... The prosecution, they portrayed her as cold and calculated. And the newspapers, of course, found her incredibly sinister. But 
one of the problems is that she had no concern or emotion in the guilty finding. When they found, when the judge found her guilty that day, she just sat there and she was unmoved. She didn't care. After a five-month trial, and this could be a world record, can you guess how long the jury took to deliberate? Shit. It's either, I mean, I'm guessing it was quick. 12 minutes. There we go. Isn't that incredible? One for each member of the jury. Yes, and she was conveyed to Long Bay Jail where she spent, you know, a lot of time. And apparently at Long Bay Jail, which interestingly now is a men's jail, but back then obviously for men and women, but she was renowned, get ready for this everyone, for dispensing motherly advice, singing softly to herself and embroidering hankies. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? It says here she was sentenced to death and then this was later commuted to life in prison and she died in 1960. Mm-hmm. Now, that means she was only in prison for about eight years? Mm. Yeah, no, was, sorry, seven years. Seven yeah. years, okay. So she was convicted in 53 and she died in 1960. Okay. The year I was born, 1960. Can I be totally brutally honest, Dad? Yes. Is there... Does it interest you that there is somebody who is of an age where they realize they don't have much time left and then going, fuck it, I'm just going to poison a bunch of people I don't like? I mean, is that... If you know you're not going to live that long anyway, does that seem like it was a bit of a kamikaze plot or do you think she genuinely thought she'd get away with I think it? She, it? I think she thought she'd get away with it. And that's that's sort of, the t- again, to refer to the, ice, the tip of the iceberg analogy. It's sort of yeah. one of those things where... If you get away with it and you actually end up liking it, yeah, um, you know, it just becomes sort of, I guess, something to do. I, I don't understand it. On that point, though, on the liking it, uh, I found a quote here from the senior Crown Prosecutor, Mick Rooney, who was the QC. And what he said was, she was a killer who poisoned for sport, for fun, for the kicks she got out of it, for the hell of it, for the thrill that she and she alone in the world knew the cause of the victim's suffering. And it was after that speech that the jury went in for 12 minutes, popped straight back out. Now, I mean, in terms of... Look, I don't want to sit here and ruminate on justice because I don't believe in the death penalty, but I find it interesting that her death sentence was commuted to life in prison. Maybe they went, she's very old, she's not well, she's not going to live that long anyway. Mm. Um, But I think the best part here is that the son-in-law was a bit sus, Mm. right? Mm. And he was... um, I'm reading here from an article from the City Morning Herald. A suspicious son-in-law of one of her intended victims, already blind as a result of a previous poisoning, one day noticed Grills carrying a cup of tea. She placed her hand into her dress pocket and then put it over the cup as if dropping something into the tea. Mm. The balls to then switch the cup and pour the tea into a bottle and go to the cops and give that to them and for them to you know, kind of sift through that and figure out that it's got a lethal amount of thallium in there. Mm. Mm. That's incredible. I mean... That's some Nancy Drew shit, you know? Mm. Oh, no, my God. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> but there was also another very famous case. Look, I don't know whether it was all women, but the mm. women sen- sort of seemed to be the focus of this particular period in time. Yeah. But there was another very famous case of a woman called Veronica Monti. Okay. And... This is a bit creepy, listeners, particularly if you have a look at a photo of the lady. That's not, I'm not sort of being mean to this particular woman, but <clears throat> at least have a look at the photograph of her. <clears throat> now, she moves in with her son in law and daughter. Mm-hmm. And because she'd separated from her husband. Okay. Now, the, 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 the son in law was quite a famous footballer. And this is so bad. 
so Monty, she um, says she was feeling really, really depressed. She felt suicidal. And she purchased the Thal Rat on impulse, okay? She wanted mm-hmm. to poison herself. Somehow or other, this is her story, is that the Milo that she put poison in for herself somehow or other ended up with her son-in-law. Interesting. But the son-in-law who was described as a handsome young Australian football hero. Okay, this is the creepy part, listeners. Giving you an alert warning here. The Monty's uh, daughter, she used to go to church on a Sunday. I don't know why the mum didn't go to church. Maybe because she was separated. Maybe she felt she wasn't worthy. But when her daughter, listeners, was at church, can you guess what uh, Monty was doing? Go on. She was having sex with her son-in-law. Oh, my God. They were shagging. They go. They went hard and fast. All right. While the enough. daughter was at church. And that's creepy. I, I refer back to Exhibit 1. The photograph of Monty. A little bit scary. It's it's actually creepy. So can you imagine a mother shagging son-in-law whilst daughter is at church? That's fascinating. And then at some point in time, I guess the mother, Monty, would have thought, whoa, this is a bit creepy. This incestuous passion, as it was described, she decided to kill him. And... Oh, my God. Monty was described as manipulative, sexually devouring, desperate, and entirely responsible for the sexual relations with her son-in-law. And it goes on and on and on, and how they basically blamed her and not the son-in-law, who was, I think it takes two to tango, I believe. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, Paul? Mm. So it's so interesting to think that, again, we do the switcheroo, um, as your story pri- prior, is that her defense was... She was going to take it herself, but somehow or other, the son-in-law took the wrong cup of Milo. Yeah, that's it interesting. sounds interesting and kind of a bit weird. Back to Carolyn Grills, Dad. Yes. So she's a mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, right? Mm, she's yeah. 63. She does not look like a murderer. No. And she's been trying to knock off distant relatives using rat poison, mm. which is uh, pretty. Like, apparently was pretty hard to trace, yes, right? Yes, very, yep. And then it goes on to say here, the method was not uncommon in the 50s. The mother-in-law of prominent Balmain rugby league footballer Bobby Lullum mm. was acquitted of poisoning him. So it is interesting that, you know, once an idea is out there, it sort of catches on in the public. Uncom- the, but it seems like the government was basically giving away untraceable murder weapons to people in the street. Um, mm. And given how women are treated uh, and were treated and continue to be treated, I can understand the the uh, temptation to poison some people. Mm. But this is absolutely horrifying. Now, it says here, the bodies of two of Grills' previous victims were exhumed and found to contain traces of thallium. Yep, yep. There were two others the cops thought were poisoned, but the bodies were cremated, so they couldn't convict for those, right? Mm -hmm. But it seems like everything kind of worked out for her, really. I mean, she spent the last eight years of her life, sorry, seven years of her life in prison. uh, And she, you know, didn't really, I mean... That doesn't really seem like an equitable punishment for what she did. But do they still use... Because uh, I've never... I mean, I've never tried to poison rats, but I'm guessing 
I'm guessing I this stuff not still sure. around. Okay. Don't know. It's okay. it's pretty creepy stuff. Yeah. There were other cases in the fifties of women poisoning their husbands. Yeah. There was also a classic case, which is really interesting, because if you gave them very small doses over a long period of time, they would die a rotten, miserable, horrendous, terrible death. Wouldn't they you know, just go to a doctor and say, I'm not feeling well? Yes, they the- would, but the doctors would, would not be aware of the you know, the symptoms. They, they, it was misdiagnosed many, many times. In fact, there are, there are theories, of course, now that... You know the numbers were way, way higher, and and also sadly, Paul and listeners, we also need to consider that it would have also been used um, to take one's own life. Uh, that that is a fact. But there was a very poignant case where a wife poisoned her husband with thallium, and as he as he went downhill, he deteriorated. He became so just so ill, and then. At a certain point, she felt so, so sad and sorry for him that she stopped administering thallium and took him to hospital and he made a full recovery. Now, she was jailed for two years. And, you know, apparently the, you know, the judge took a little bit of pity on her because of her marital situation, because it wasn't a pleasant marriage. Uh, but she sort of... You know, imagine poisoning someone. Think about this, listeners. You poison someone. You, you that's your intention, and some of the the, the poisoning uh, was was well, it was obviously premeditated. But some of the poisoners had the uh, their intention was to poison them slowly and painfully, like a torturous, mm. prolonged death. Because what it does is it's saying. They're too, they're too good. They're, they're, I don't want them to die in a few minutes. I want them to suffer as I have suffered. And, and mm. that, that quote I'm using is, is from transcripts from women that had suffered so badly that they felt it's a little bit, I guess, like torture. Yeah. Torture is not a quick thing. No. They don't get you in the cell for 10 minutes and then... You know that that's not how Guantanamo Bay works. They say quick death is a is a mercy. You know, yeah. It's whereas if you do it slowly, I mean, I find it interesting that she um she inherited her father's house after he died in 1948, and it was over in Gladesville. Now I don't, I, I can't actually find a source of where this place is. Mm. But if any listeners know where she lived and where she did this stuff, please let us know because I think. If you're in Gladesville and you uh, and you and you know her house, it's probably going to have some weird, mm-hmm. some weird mojo about it. And anyway. Paul, I think also of the time we need to look at um, at the divorce situation in New South Wales, uh, in Australia in the 1950s. Yeah, it was very very difficult for women yeah. to get a divorce. Yeah, and you know I, I I've done a lot of reading on this particular case, Paul, and as I said to Christine this morning, it's. It's a Pandora's box. It's yes, it is the it's it's the case we've we've discussed, but very interestingly, from a historic perspective, doing a lot of reading, it's it's more a story about the time. It's you know, it, when I lived in Armadale in the nineteen sixties, mm. the the pubs they 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 basically were were, were men only havens. Yeah, and if women 
were allowed into a certain room in the hotel, they were only allowed to have a shandy. Do you know what a shandy is? Champagne and something? That's beer and lemonade or something. Oh, okay. Like in a small glass. I guess what I'm saying, Dad, is sometimes... I get why you'd want to poison specific people. Mm. Of course, we all we all do. Yeah. But it's the reason this case was so interesting to talk about is because you know it was um it was an old lady mm. who looked harmless who was just and, going on a killing spree and taking out her relatives. So. And Paul, I do. I think it's important, and I I wanted to do this during this podcast. I also wanted to kind of in a sort of a devil's advocate way. I'm very very curious about your your assertion or your feeling or your opinion about people's looks that really intrigues me i understand what you mean by she looked such and such but does that really stand up to any actual research i i think it doesn't because if you go through um okay so if you're shown a lot of mug shots it's it's we automatically look at the shot. We know it's a mug shot. We know they're mm. in custody. We, our brain kind of does this automatic sort of judgmental focusing because it's almost auto-suggestive. But if you were to show those photographs of those people just in a social scene, not knowing that they're, you know, they've done time, they've committed some terrible murder or something horrendous Mm -hmm. you know i don't know whether it's we can say that she looked lovely and like a grandmother do you know what i'm saying it's i'm sort of i'm slightly concerned about um you know when you look at someone you make a a decision or you get a a vibe but to that point yeah to that point dad there are times where you regularly point out that a um a someone who we know for a fact was a murderer was very well spoken or mm. articulate. Yeah. Um, there are certain qualifiers that you automatically attach to people, and mm. the reason this case took off publicly is because she looks like mm. the stereotypical caricature of a harmless old grandmother. Agreed. I mean, she she literally every, every single visual trapping, which means that you see it, and the disparity between her looks and the things she did kind of strike you. Agree. Yeah, but yeah. I would love to have heard her talk, and because maybe when she opened her mouth, you go, yeah, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. now. I get it. Um, it's interesting. They say you can't judge a book by its cover, but uh, I kind of think sometimes you can. Mm. Well, I think that's all the time we have for looking at uh, Auntie Thousand and her uh, spree killings. But like I said, listeners, if you know where she was from, if you happen to be near uh, you know, a house in Gladesville and you've heard that that's the house where it happened, please let us know because it's very interesting to kind of pinpoint where these things went down uh, and to see how it feels to be there. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Like I said at the top, we've just put tickets on sale for a second live show. So head across to comedyrepublic.com.au and grab your tickets right now because they will sell out. It took about 24 hours for pretty much all of the seats at our first show to sell out, but we've chucked a few extra ones in there for you. So make sure you fill those seats up so we can do even more live shows. In the meantime, have a great week and we will see you soon. For more loose units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.